Uh, before I dive into today's message, uh, two things just to have at the top here that are important. Uh, number one, uh, with Trunk or Treat less than three weeks away, let me just give you a reminder of the, the purpose. Trunk or Treat enables us to do an event during a season where most of the community is celebrating darkness, Halloween. We're going to celebrate light by being light. So we put on trunk or treat for one another, but for our community. And what we do as a people then is we respond to that and we say, we're going to be a presence of light in the darkness and have a great fun time. We're not going to be weird. We're going to be super joyful. And so in that, you come and you register to bring your vehicle and you decorate that vehicle, well, the trunk side of that vehicle, you decorate it, super fun, so that we can have an opportunity just to be joyful in and around with our own people and the wider community. So if you've not already done that, register your vehicle, decorate it, have fun, all good. Secondly, to make that night even more amazing alongside all the inflatables and the different food, we do need a large amount of unhealthy sugar. And for that to happen, as you see, there's some towers in the lobby. We need to get every single tower overflowing with pre-packaged candy. Please bring that in the week or on the next two Sundays so we have an abundance of it to make trunk or treat the treat that is required for that night. Okay, super simple. QR code on there. Here we go. Okay. Before I get to my uh, notes today, um, we need to pray. Uh, as a church, things go on in and around the world, and we need to pause, take a moment, and pray. So although this is all prepared all this morning, it was like we need to do this. And so the Hamas attack on Israel yesterday, uh, we need to pray. Not only do we need to pray because it's, Israel, which we should pray, it's Jerusalem, we should pray, not only because of that, but the reality is there are humans grieving this morning, encountering loss. It was the final day of the festival of Sukkot, festival of celebrating God's provision and harvest, and the final day of that Jewish festival, this happens. So in an abundance of gratitude to the Lord, this happens. And so you've got this reality of constant threat throughout human history in and around the nation of Israel. And so this morning, and, I, and just out of a quick thing, my heart went to Psalm 121. I looked to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And there's more in that psalm but in the midst of it, we're then reminded of the words of Jesus. And this is the uncomfortable part because Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I don't want to do that. But if Jesus said it, we'll do it. Okay? So I want to lead us in a time of prayer. And I want to do this twofold. Number one, because we should. And number two, to then encourage you to be doing so in the days and weeks and maybe months ahead. To be praying into that situation because it's not just human. That situation has a supernatural dynamic to it. There's a spiritual war going on. 
at the same time. Let's pray together. King Jesus, we just want to say, Lord, right now, with this attack, the war that has been declared in the Holy Land, we pray this, Lord, oh God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, Lord, for your peace, your comfort. We pray, Lord, that there is a encounter of your love, grace, mercy, peace that supernaturally can be revealed in the midst of this crisis. Lord, you told us to pray for those who persecute, pray for and love our enemies. That seems so counterintuitive. So Lord, right now we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land and we pray for those who are attacking. We pray that your grace is revealed, your mercy is shown and your love breaks through. And Lord, would you place on our hearts to pray for the holy city of Jerusalem as you call us to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. I was this close to going off piste on the whole series today, but then it's drawback. This is what matters most. We're in week two of walking through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And the thing with the book of 1 Thessalonians is people dive into the last, the back half of chapter four and chapter five, and that's what it's known for, which is all known for what we call eschatology, uh, this end times, Jesus' return, what happens when you die, focus. That's important and we will get there. And we're gonna spend a few weeks on that, but for now, we need to talk about the other subjects that actually are foundational to our very being and our very lives here and now, not just when we die. They are foundational to our posture and they are foundational and life bringing to our soul today. And so we're going to do chapter, we did chapter one last week, chapter two this week. Next week we'll do chapter three. And then it's baptism. In two weeks' time, and if you've not been baptized, you can go ahead and you can go to Connection Point, sign up for baptism. Many people already have. So far in 2023, we've had three baptism Sundays. We've baptized 138 people so far this year. There's rumors, final baptism of the year coming up. So if that is you, that's coming up in two weeks' time. Gonna be amazing. And because of that, I probably won't dive in deep in First Thessalonians because we'll spend more time celebrating. Okay? And then we'll continue. Right. How's your soul? It's a serious question. How's your soul? In the midst of maybe you're in a good season, a tough season, how's your soul? The condition of your soul determines the condition of your life. How's your soul? And this book of the Bible, I think, is just so full of how we can look at our soul and fuel it. Just like anything else in our body, if we don't have fuel, we don't have life to live from. We need to 
fuel our soul. And so with soul fuel, let's just start with the verse of chapter one that is foundational to the whole book. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse three. It's on screen. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, love. The scriptures say in Corinthians, now these three remain. These three remain. They stay. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, but faith, hope, and love. That is the fuel of our soul. Faith. Our soul needs faith. Our soul needs hope. Our soul needs love. I talked about it last week. Just a quick skirt over to lean in again. Every single human ever has, ever will be, is longing for their soul to be filled, even if they can't define it. And it's written in the very image of God in all of us. Whether we believe in God or not, we have this innate craving, longing for our soul to be filled. Faith, hope, love. Jesus said, I'm the way, truth, and life, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We learn, live, love. There is the past, the future, but there is the present. All these things are a reality. There's many more. We are here to, we crave belonging. We crave who we're becoming because we need to believe. Those three all interact with each other. We have a longing for meaning in our life. That's faith. We have a longing for destiny in our life. That's hope. We have a longing for community, intimacy, connection. That's love. It's a longing. The issue is what source are we going to to fuel those? What's the source of the fuel? Because people are longing to fuel them so they fuel them. All too often, we get the wrong fuel. We go to the wrong places to fill our soul. And today, I just want to lay a bit of a stronger foundation on those three because it really helps with the specifics. When it comes to faith, faith is not believing in God. Faith is believing God. It's a trust thing. So the question for all of us today is, Who do I trust? Who can be trusted? Where is my trust? Because it's somewhere, even if it's in yourself. What is your security points? Where's your anchors? Who can be trusted? Who do I trust? Now, in this context, you say, well, the answer should be Jesus. Yes, but I'm asking you the question, really. Do you trust him? Can he be trusted? It's a deep thing. And we've got to just allow that to go there because faith is based on, there's a pasting of what God has done. But to experience it, I've got to live in it. That's a trust issue. We never fully really experience if God is trustworthy until we find ourselves in a situation where we have to trust him. It's beyond ourselves. I have to trust him. 
I have to experience that he is there to catch me if I fall. And that's a soul fuel issue. That's why faith is a big deal. Who can be trusted? Secondly, when it comes to hope, the question is this. Is anything worth living for? Is there anything worth dying for? That sense of purpose in hope, we've got to ask it, but is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth the risk? Is it worth the surrender? Is it worth it? Is there anything worth really living for? Is there anything in my life that I am living for that is beyond even the impact on me? Do we have a mindset of legacy? Do we have a mindset of next generation, second generation, third generation, fourth generation? Do we think with that mindset? Do we think with our lives with an impact that it's beyond ourselves? But ultimately the question is, is it worth it? And that's a question of hope in our soul. So we may find our hope level being low because we're asking that core question. The question's a good question. Wrestle with the question. And then thirdly, the love craving is this question. Does anyone really care? So let me bring it into the situation where we, where we think about the Lord and we think, okay, God, for many people, the, the big question of is there a God or not actually isn't as complicated. The one thing that puts people off answering yes to that is this question. It isn't is God there, it's does God care? And so because of that factor, but I don't know if God cares, I don't know if he can have an impact on me, I don't know if he does love me, I don't know if his grace is real, I don't know if his love is unconditional, because of that, that has an issue with the whole issue of can he be trusted or not? And so the question then is, does anybody care? Does anybody see me? Which then we have to flip and go, who do I see? Who do I care for? Who am I called to love? Because if it's just one way, there's the issue. It goes all round. So these are core issues. And this, this conversation I could be having with anybody from any walk of life. It's right at the core heart of our soul. So what is the fuel that we are putting into that? Is it clean fuel or not so clean fuel? Is the fuel, if it was food we were talking about, we can all get fast food, but if all I ever eat is unclean fast food, that has an impact on my physical body. Fact. However, if I have a mindset that is more clean food, and there is a balance to all that, then it's going to have an impact on my physical body. So what about your soul? There's only so much junk you can put in your soul before your soul is malnourished and unhealthy. And today is a message driven about one aspect of pure, clean fuel for your soul and how the need for us to take more of it in is important. So let me lean in one more time to this faith, hope and love thing in an even stronger area and it's related to fears. When it comes to faith, one of the biggest obstacles that the fear that we face is this. We have a fear of commitment. And maybe that's you, you have a fear of commitment. 
because there can anybody be trusted. There's a fear of commitment there. And today could be a day for you, I pray it's a day for you where you have to step into that because you have to face, literally look at that fear. The fear is commitment, but I won't know if God can be trusted unless, but you've got a fear of commitment. So I'm not gonna dive in. Now listen, fear of commitment could be taking place right now in a relationship you're in right now. And can they be trusted in that whole thing? And that makes you feel not very strong until therefore your soul struggles with that. It struggles with it. Then you get with hope. The issue of hope is a fear of failure. There is a fear of, but, but what if it doesn't work out? And what if this is not worth it? And what if, and there's a fear of failure. So your posture then becomes anger or apathy. You get angry and frustrated when things aren't going the way that you think they should, or you have apathy. I can't be bothered anymore. What's the point? Forget it. That's all driven from a fear of failure. And that's a hope deficit. That's a hope deficit in your soul. And then thirdly, when it comes to love, you have a fear of intimacy. I'm not just talking physical intimacy here. I'm talking being known a fear of intimacy, a a vulnerability, and there's a fear there, and there's reasons for that, but the result is what we tend to do with a fear of intimacy is we tend to fill our soul with two other things, which could be this, either we dive into immorality, because we we crave that intimacy, so 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 we go to all the wrong places for that, or we go to isolation, because it's self preservation, and I don't want anybody really knowing me, but neither of those fuel the soul craving of love. I know it was kind of deep a little bit, but I want us to look today at a source of fuel that is significant in filling your soul when it comes to faith, hope, love, way, truth, life. Craving for meaning, craving for destiny, craving for intimacy. There is a fuel source that I want to lean into today that this church, this Thessalonian church, clearly were living in. Because their circumstances, as we heard last week, are not easy. There's persecution, there's suffering, there's a cost for following Jesus. There's all kinds going on. It's not easy. It's really hard for them. And yet their souls we see are full, real full. Today I'm gonna talk about the source of fuel that is obvious in church, but I think many of us don't go to it with the right posture. I wanna talk about the scriptures. I'm gonna talk about the living, breathing, active word of God that is available to us as a pure fuel, clean fuel source but for some reason, we're not taking it in. And maybe some of you are, but we're taking it in in all maybe not a good way. Let me give an example of this. I got to go to the Museum of the Bible in DC last summer. And if you've never been, it's worth going. And um, you could take your little kids, but you won't get to really experience it fully. It's huge, it's huge. And there's some areas that are normal museum-ish, 
lots of exhibits that you get to go and see and are super interesting. But there was one particular exhibit that was super interesting. It was kind of small. It was like a pod that you went in and you sat there and there's video screens around you and there's music playing. The thing is, all the songs that are being played are secular songs throughout the decades of pop music and the lyrics would come up of these songs and these lyrics have been inspired by scriptures. And the writers of the songs were not acknowledging Jesus at all, but something in the everyday language of people, even in songwriters, was inspired originally by a scripture. And they're not, and it just does so many. It was like, it was pretty cool. And you sit there and you watch and you're, oh, huh, oh, that's kind of interesting. Even though the vast majority of people didn't give a rip about Jesus, but they were quoting a scripture from somewhere. And then there was this kind of like bit of a thing acknowledged. There was this musical artist who at one point had topped the charts and would constantly in his songwriting be quoting scriptures. Scriptures would be in there. And so interviewers ask a question, are you a Christian? And their answer was no. So the question was, so how do you know so many Bible verses? How do you know so many Bible verses? Listen to this response. When asked why they knew so many Bible verses, they explained how as a child, every time they did something wrong, their parents would punish them by making them read the Bible. And as a result, they knew the Bible, but hated it. Can we just be honest about our posture towards the word of God? And some of you, I'm going to make this posture. Some of you, there is something there that, I mean, that, I'm just telling you, parents, if you're adopting that technique, I do want to rebuke you now in the name of Jesus. How dare we bring the very living, breathing words of our almighty God who loves us so much to send his son into the world and use it as a form of punishment and expect somebody to long to hear the voice of God when they only ever associate the word of God with punishment. It may have seemed a good idea to correct some bad behavior but that strategy is not the way of God. Yeah, but they need to know it. Again, you're using the Bible as a weapon, not in spiritual warfare, but for you to wield control and fear. And that has been the issue why so many people don't want to crave the word of God because all they've ever heard about it has been control and fear. You can go through human history and see powerful people using the Bible to justify evil behavior. Satan knows more theology than anybody else in this room. He even attempted to quote scriptures even with Jesus. But he doesn't hear the love of the Father and the beauty of it. So let me talk to you today briefly about two things. Uh, roots of fear, roots of joy. Fear roots and joy roots. Des, get to Thessalonians. I'm laying it up. Stick with me. Fear roots, joy roots. A fear root 
that guy, that musician who was quoting the scriptures, when he thinks about the Bible, is rooted in fear. It's not rooted in joy. So you may have had an experience of something in your life, which as a result, whenever you smell it, taste it, hear it, go there, see it, whatever it may be, is stemming from a root of fear. Something happened and so it affects the whole way you respond to it. Likewise, the opposite will be you've had experiences of people, places, smells, tastes, whatever it may be, that were reminders of joy. This is why people spend millions of dollars on environments to remind people of tastes and smells and sounds that, that conjure up feelings of joy. That's why most of your houses right now have a cinnamon smell in them that is not there in March. You want this, it's the season. You know, it's what we do because we, we as humans, all of our senses matter and there's roots of joy, but there's also roots of fear. So when it comes to the word of God, which way does it go? Is there that I go for it for the source of joy or the source of fear? And we need to look at that. Is my soul low on faith, low on hope, low on love, and therefore I don't choose to go to the source of that fuel as in the Scriptures for whatever reason? Now, now this, is, this is bigger than some of, some of you have got roots that have gone back many, many years. We, we have a counseling center here, we have pastors here, we have people here, we have grief share here, we have so much to help you with digging up those roots, cutting off those roots. I'm not just making that simple mindset, but for some of you today, the breakthrough is me just identifying that the breakthrough moment is, Lord, my soul longs for clean fuel and it can be found in your word. So when it comes to faith, hope, and love, that's where I need to go because this church did. Let's go, 1 Thessalonians chapter two. I'm gonna read verse seven and eight, 11 and 12, because verse 13 is the verse today, okay? This just gives you the heart of the Apostle Paul writing to this church who he's not with, who he loves, who've been going through a hard time. He's been accused of all kinds of false motives. If you're in any form of leadership, can I just say this, what comes with the territory is false accusation, people judging you, people thinking you've got a false motive and you're being judged all the time and it's all wonderful. It hurts, it stings every time, but it does not define who you are as it didn't for Paul, but he had to defend himself. Verse seven and eight, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. Some translations say like a nursing mother. What is a nursing mother doing to their child? Fueling. Yeah, fueling it. And Paul comes and says, this is our role with you. We want to fuel you and care for you. We could have used authority. We could say, but we are these apostles and we are in charge of my way or the highway. We are, you just have to do it. You just have to believe it. Or we could come to you gentle and lean in like a nursing mother. So when you open the word of God, do you open the word of God? like a mother would nurse a child. That's a posture, isn't it? 
Verse eight, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well because you had become so dear to us. It's not enough just to have the fuel of the scriptures. We have to have the fuel of the scriptures impacting every sphere of our life. And they get to share our very lives as well. And some of you, that relates to faith, hope, and love in a deep way. Some of you, there's stuff going on in your life and there's nobody knowing about it. Their very lives as well. Verse 11 and 12. For you know that we dealt with each other. Sorry, so start again. Fast forward, rewind, here we go again. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Before I continue, some of you are going, I don't like that straight away. He then goes on to show the how. Whatever your experience of father is, Paul demonstrates this is the heart of the father God before us. As a father deals with his children. So we've had a mother nursing children. Father deals with children. Here we go. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Encouraging, comforting, urging you to lean into all that fullness that God has. So when you open the scriptures, are you opening it because your heavenly father wants to encourage you, wants to comfort you, and actually wants to urge you to press on. And that could involve being corrected. But hey, what father, when teaching their child learns to drive, doesn't do some correction? They do the correction because they want to save their own life, their life, and the rest of the city around them. So in the same way, it's a loving father who wants to come and say, hey, this is what's best. This is what's best. So when you're opening the scriptures, are you going to it with a root of joy that says, there's encouragement, there's comfort, and there's some urging for me to go on into the fullness of life. What is horrific is when we use the Bible to weaponize situations and people and to gain control and increase fear. That is not the living word of God flowing from heaven. Whenever it's about manipulation, complete control, complete fear in certain way, that's not the heart of the scriptures. And it's certainly not the heart of the scriptures that this church experienced. Even in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6, one verse, it's not on screen, the reference is, Paul says this to this Corinthian church. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. He says, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And here's the key. You can do the whole context of all of that verse. He was talking about, you've got the law on stone, the law established. The law in and of itself kills. The spirit gives life. If you are reading the scriptures without the acknowledgement and receptivity of the Holy Spirit in your life, it will only lead you to fear, not love. But with the Holy Spirit bringing it alive, 
it changes everything. Let's go to the key verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God continually because, you ready? When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you also accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. There's another three. Accepted it. Sorry, received it. Then accepted it. It's at work in you. Head, heart, hands. Faith, hope, love. Here we go again. You received it, so you hear the word. So you open the scriptures, you hear and you receive the word of God. Not enough. Then you've got to let it go in and accept it and go, truth, grace, mercy, and love. This is the living, breathing voice of the Lord to me. Accept it. Still not enough. Now work it out. It's a work within you. This is the Holy Spirit in your life. And the fuel, the soul fuel of the scriptures with the Holy Spirit is dynamic, absolutely dynamic. And so when you're opening the scriptures, I want you to think in this three-step process. I've got, I hear it, there's the receiving it, got it. But some of you are going, yeah, I read the word, I'm good now. Slow down reading your Bible. And I mean, slow down. One verse could be enough. Receive it. Now accept it. Let it go in. Accept it. Acceptance takes a while, doesn't it? To think about any relationship. Acceptance can take a while. Coming to a, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Acceptance. And then it's at work in you. That's then the fuel, the fuel. I put it in the tank. The gauge says full. I have to start the engine and put the gas pedal down. There's this process. Here is something breathtaking on this. I want to read this out. This is a quote. I don't know who said it. Way too intelligent to be me, but wow. When you read the scriptures... You don't just read it, you believe it, and then you want to obey it. It then creates roots of joy through the Holy Spirit. Because, and here's the line, this is the only book that you will ever read where the author meets with you to teach it. Don't, oh, it's something that was once written passive, the author, when you open the scriptures, wants to meet with you to teach it. The only one. We all read other, I read other books and the author's great, I like it. And maybe I've met the author and I can see it, but the author's not sat next to me, fully going through it all with me. But every time I open the scriptures, Holy Spirit, come reveal it's the only book where the author meets with me to teach it. And I read it and go, okay, Lord, well, in my life right now, this is going on. And, oh, I can take that clean fuel in. And, Lord, oh, fill my faith, Lord. 
Grow my faith. Okay, Lord. Can I just give you a warning on that prayer? Lord, give me more faith. He will put you in situations where you have to trust him more. Like the miracle series. We all want a miracle. We just don't want the circumstance that requires one. Hope. More hope, Lord. More hope in my life. Do you re- Okay, good. Speak to me. Reveal to me. Reveal to me. What is this? Stunning. Okay, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to land the plane already. And that's this. What refueling is required today for you? You've just got to take a moment. I have wasted my time if you leave today with no opportunity to change the condition of your life. If you leave today with the same level in your soul or the same level in your soul and no means of refueling that, I have failed. The role that I play here is to cause you to learn. Cause you to learn. If you don't learn, I didn't teach. That's the role of any great teacher. The role of a teacher is to cause you to learn. You chose to be here. It was not like regular school where I never wanted to learn math in the first place. You know, it's like, no, you chose to be here. So I'm here to cause you to learn. And so let me ask the question, what refueling is required in your life today? Is it faith? My level of trusting God. It's not believing God, believe God. Is it a hope issue, that sense of destiny and meaning and purpose? And maybe you feel just a little bit stuck right now, a bit lost right now. That's a big deal. Lord, I want you to refuel my soul with a hope that you know I need. And maybe it's the whole area of love and it's that something is going on in your world right now where it's like, but Lord, I need, I need to lean into this. Would you refuel me? With that, one of the cleanest fuel sources you will find in all of them is to engage with him in his word all the time. And he may well pick one passage of scripture and you stay in that one passage of scripture for the next 90 days. You suck the marrow out of that bone, not just the meat on the outside. You really, that's what's going to be required. There's this phrase that is very common, let love be louder than your fear. And, I, and, I, and it, that was just a thing in my head, oh, you're, you're, let love be louder than my fear. Oh, what a good line of a song that would be. And then I paused and I said it as a prayer in the car this morning. Lord, may your love for me be louder than my fears. Lord, may your love be seen as louder than my fear. And may I live life in such a way where the love of God is louder than the people's fears around me. Am I living life in such a way that is literally inspiring to others without me realizing it. So with that in mind, I'm going to 
read a portion of scripture. It's a portion of within a portion that I am in every morning and every night. And I have been for 69 days. And we are going through this scripture with the men on a Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. into the storm. Men, you're all invited. There's a ton of us. And we're camping out in one small passage of scripture. And we're going slow. Because we want it to go in. We don't just want to receive it. We want to receive it. We want to accept it. And we want it to be at work within us. That's what we want. That's what we want. So let me read the scripture. And then I'm going to pray this in our being today. And then when the prayer partners come out today, I'm going to tell you now, this is your response. What's your soul level like right now? The fuel level. What's the gauge saying? And maybe there's a faith thing there. Come for prayer. Just say, I need a refueling of faith. Maybe it's a hope issue or a love issue. Maybe those questions of who can be trusted, is anything worth living for? Does anyone care? Maybe it's the, the other things that I illuminated on that today. What is it? But do not leave without change being put there for you. Allow roots of joy to start to go deep. And asking the Lord to cut off the roots of fear for whatever reason. Okay. Would you all take a posture with me? It's, option if you, it's, an, it's an optional thing. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to control you. But I, I go with this posture. I just choose this one. Okay. Some of you may even want to go that one. Like, I'm in. Surrender. Like, I just lay it on me. But at the very least, Okay. I'm going to read this word of God, but I want you to receive it, allow it to be accepted in your soul, and then a fuel source that you can have working out in your life. Men who come on a Tuesday morning, you've got all this memorized, I know. This is a small section within Ephesians 3. I'm going to read verse 17 and 19. 17 to 19. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. King Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. Fill me, Lord. Fill me with faith, hope, and love. Fill my faith in you. Fill my hope in you. Fill my love in you. Lord, give me faith from you, hope from you, love from you. Lord, I receive it. Lord, I pray that it takes root in me. 
and it becomes established in love. And I pray, Lord, that you give me the longing to sit with you, open your word, and Holy Spirit, the author of it, speak to me through it and fuel my soul that I may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer partners, elders, please come out now. This morning, come out. If there's faith or hope or love, all of them, just come and just go, would you help me? I need, I need the filling. Like this is like a gas station this morning. <laughs> and it's free. <laughs> that sounds good, doesn't it? It's free. Come. Come receive. Accept. Have it work out in your life. Let's worship together in this. Cannot stress how much Thursday night will fill your soul. A night of worship, seven o'clock in here, will fill your soul. Because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Okay? See you Thursday. Not before. Come for prayer.